I was here when they were rehearsing earlier, and there was a lot. They were a lot more animated when I saw them. They were a little bit stiff when they were standing up here this time. They didn't. They do good. I tell you what. I, I am grateful for these young people singing with the choir. That is excellent. Well, for the past several weeks, we have been studying some of the basic doctrines of the faith, some of the fundamentals we believe as Christians. Today we conclude that series by looking at the doctrine of tithing. I am somewhat excited about the opportunity for this reason. You may not be, but I am. We are not pledging the budget. We are not pledging to a building campaign. We are simply looking at the doctrine of tithing. What does the Bible say about tithing? It is interesting to me that two-thirds of the parables Jesus told specifically related to finances because it's important. You, You see, ladies and gentlemen, your stewardship speaks about your spiritual condition. Adrian Rogers wrote, A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Isn't that good? A faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the doctrine of stewardship. I started there because your understanding of stewardship is going to determine your response to tithing. John Wesley wrote, When the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as an owner, but as a steward. You see, the steward is someone who recognizes that God owns everything. We are simply the managers of that that God has entrusted to us. So then I don't own anything. You don't own anything. A steward understands that everything belongs to God, and I manage that that he has entrusted to me. Therefore, tithing is a testimony that we recognize God as the owner of everything. For instance, the word tithe means one-tenth or ten percent. Does that mean God is not interested in the other ninety percent? Is God only interested in the 10% that He expects you to give? No. When I give the 10%, it is a recognition that God owns all of it, that everything belongs to God. So our tithing then recognizes that God is the owner and I am simply a manager of that that He entrusts to me. Tithing is a scriptural doctrine we used to have a member in the church. I would, I'd get amused sometimes because every time he was here, I would receive his offering envelope because he would send it to me. And he would write on it, tithing is not scriptural, it is Old Testament. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at the evolution of tithing. How did it come about? Abraham commenced it. Now, When we go back to the Old Testament, Abraham had led the people of Israel into battle. They were successful. Melchizedek, the priest, came and blessed Abraham. He, in turn, gave a tithe to the priest. 
The Bible says in Genesis 14, 20, and he gave him a tenth of all. Now, let me emphasize that this happened, the tithe was given before the law was given. So when people say that the tithe is of the law, no. The tithe began before the law was given. All right, so Abraham commenced it, Jacob commended it. You recall the story perhaps in the Old Testament where Jacob had a vision of a ladder that reached into heaven. After that vision, when he saw heaven, then he made a commitment to tithe. Genesis 28:22. Of all that thou dost give me, I will surely give a tenth to thee. Moses confirmed it, Leviticus 27:30. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Malachi commanded the tithe and Jesus commended the tithe. Matthew 23, 23, New Testament. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are things you should have done without neglecting the others, the tithe. So Jesus then commended us. So today I want us to just look and see what the Bible says about the tithe. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows." Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let's look at this, and I know that some of you are little apprehensive, a little uptight. I'm not going to threaten you. I'm not going to come out and grab you by the neck or anything like that. I just want us to look at this as a doctrine of Scripture. So sit back, get your Bibles, look with me, and enjoy what God says, because that's what we're trying to do today. Some of you are frightening me the way that you're looking at me. He begins in this passage of Scripture with a charge of disobedience in verse number 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. So he begins here by saying that the people of Israel have turned away from him. How had they done that? What was the accusation? Verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee in tithes? And offerings. The accusation from God is that you are, you are robbing me by not giving the tithe. Now let me give you a little bit of background as to what was happening here. Israel had recently, at this time, had recently returned to Israel out of Babylonian captivity. When they returned, 
the land was in ruins. The temple was destroyed. There was a drought that caused the crops to not grow. So at the time when God is saying this to them, it was a devastating time for them. It was a very difficult time for them. They literally were destitute at this time. Now they knew the law. They knew what they were supposed to do. And they were giving their leftovers to God. If you look back at chapter 1, verse number 8. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? The problem that they were having is that these were difficult times for them. They were destitute. They were still giving, but they were giving their leftovers to God. And God said, is this not evil? Well, we understand that, do we not? Giving our leftovers to God. Our leftover time. For instance, uh, if I have time, then I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday. If, if it's convenient, if I didn't stay up too late watching the ball game, or if I don't have this, or something else that I'm to do. And so if it's convenient, I would, folks, that is giving your leftover time to God. We do the same thing concerning our finances. Well, I'll give the Lord something when the plate is passed. Don't want to look bad. So I'll give the Lord something and we give our leftovers to God. We did a study in our church a few years back and discovered that 68% of our members give $1,000 or less to the Lord's work through First Baptist Church during the year. That, I don't think that's a tithe, do you? So we give our leftovers to the Lord. Why is it that we do not take the doctrine of tithing seriously? I mean, you've heard the messages. Why don't we take it seriously? Well, because sometimes we feel that it is unprofitable. In verse number 14, you have said it is vain to serve God. And what Prophet, is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? In other words, sometimes we, we look at the doctrines of, of God's word and say, well, that's not profitable. That doesn't make any sense. It's, ju it's just not profitable. David had a struggle with that, King David. In fact, when he saw the prosperity of the wicked and the suffering of good people, he said, what's that all about? It doesn't seem to be profitable to me to serve the Lord. So in Psalm 73, verses 13 and 14, David wrote, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. David said, it just doesn't seem to be profitable to serve the Lord. I mean, I look around and see... Evil people prospering, and I see good people suffering. It just doesn't seem to be profitable. Truth is, some of us feel that it is not profitable. You talk about tithing all you want to, preacher, it's just not profitable. I read the story about a, a man who sued his church recently. He said, they promised that God was going to bless me, and the blessings I received were not adequate, so I want my money back. Some of us look around and say, well, it's just not profitable to do that. There are others who say, well, I can't afford it. I, I can't afford to tithe. I'd like to. It's not that I'm opposed to it. I can't afford it. I have children. You know, they have to have uh, braces and then their tennis shoes. They're $100 a pair and they play three sports and a different pair for every sport. 
I've got a plan for their college education. Who's going to educate them? You're not, so who's going to educate them? I have to plan for that. I have to plan for my retirement. My kids don't want to take care of me, so I just can't afford to do it. Not opposed to it, just can't afford to do it. There are others who have concluded that they make too much money to tithe. That would be too much money to give. There was a fellow who came to see his pastor, and he said, Pastor, you spoke about tithing. He said, I make a lot of money, and he said, I make too much to tithe. I'll give something, but I'm not going to tithe and make too much. The pastor said, well, why don't we pray? And so they prayed, and the pastor prayed and said, Lord, reduce this man's income to a level where he can be obedient to you. I believe that some people fail to tithe, not because they are rebellious, but because they've never been taught. Just never been taught. My dad taught me about tithing when my allowance was 25 cents a week. Now, that was a while back. But that's when he taught me about tithing. And he taught me that the tithe belonged to God. This is one of the memories I have of my dad that I cherish. He taught me that the tithe belongs to God. And he said, you can drive it, you can watch it, you can wear it, you can do other things with it, but it's God's. And he said, it is holy to him. So there are some who do not tithe because it's unprofitable. They see it as unprofitable. There are some people who say, well, I can't afford it. There, There are those people who say, well, I don't know that much about it. And then there are some who don't tithe simply because they are immature in the faith. I don't know if I can't remember if I told you the story or not. I love the story, and so it bears repeating. My granddaughter Janie called Linda recently, and she said, uh, "She said, Gypsy, what are you doing?" She said, "Well, I'm I'm at home." She said, "I want to go shopping. Take me shopping." Uh, she's a lot like her grandmother in that regard. Let's go. Let's go shopping. And uh, so they went shopping, and Janie was looking at some things, and then Linda began to wander off to look at some things she was interested in. And Janie came over and got her and said, "Um, Gypsy, this is not about you. It's about me. (laughs) Well, that's the way some of us are in those things. Because of immaturity is always about me. It is not about giving. It is about receiving. It is always about me. And there are those who do not tithe simply because they are spiritually immature. There are others who don't tithe because they don't like some program or something that is happening at the church. And I'm not going to support it because I don't like it. And if I can't control it, then I'm not going to do it. So there is the charge that God makes here of disobedience. He said, you are disobeying me by not giving the tithe. And then he pronounces a curse in verse number 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. You see, there was a common misunderstanding of the Jews. They believed that it was unprofitable to tithe. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they believed that it was unprofitable to tithe. A common misunderstanding many Christians have today is that I have more if I keep that that God requires. Right? I have more if I keep it all. So there's that common misunderstanding, but it is a major mistake. The Scripture tells us that there is a blessing and a curse depending upon our obedience or disobedience. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. All right, there's, there's two choices here. 
The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today. So according to Scripture, God has given us His Word, and He says there is a blessing if you obey it, and there's a curse if you disobey it. That's what the Scripture says. Now logic also teaches us that. We... We do not reward disobedience, do we? If your son came to you and said, I, I'm, I'm going to take the car tonight, and you say, no, you're not, and he takes it anyway, are you going to fill it up with gas? No, you're not going to reward disobedience. Disobedience is not rewarded in the workplace. I used to work with a guy, and he was a newsman, and uh, he was given the assignment to cover a particular story. He didn't want to do it, and so he said, I'm not going to do it. They fired him. He was not rewarded for his disobedience. Disobedience is not rewarded in sports. I remember when uh, I used to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. That was back before they sold out. But I used to be, I've not been a fan since they sold out, but changed ownership. But when Tom Landry was the coach there, I always admired him. I I remember when uh, Hollywood Henderson played for him, Tony Dorsett played for him, he ended up putting both of them on the bench, telling them they were not going to play unless they played the way he wanted them to. You don't see a whole lot of that today, but that was the deal. He did not reward them for their disobedience. The same thing is true spiritually. God says that before you there is a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey my commands, there is a curse if you do not. Then he gives us the remedy in verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now, and this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, then what's the prescription? What does he say? He says, bring the tithe. Now, you notice the word whole, bring the whole time. That is emphatic. Obviously, the people were still giving. They were just giving their leftovers. So God says, no, you are to bring the whole time. And then the Scripture tells us that we are to bring it first. Why? Because it isn't to be our leftovers. If I, God, if I, if I don't have any other obligations, if I don't have any other expenses, then I'm going to give you the time. No, that's the reason the Bible says that we bring the time first. So he says, bring the whole tithe, and we are to bring it first. Now, where does the tithe go? Well, it doesn't go to the preacher as as much as we might deserve it. I gave money to Billy Graham when he was preaching. I would send money in, but not the tithe. It doesn't go to a ministry even though the ministry might be good and worthy and and so forth, the tithe does not go to a ministry. I give to Samaritan's Purse, but not the tithe. The tithe goes to the storehouse. Understand that in Old Testament times, the Jewish people were agrarian. They were farmers. There were rooms in the temple that were set aside for grain. And so they would bring their grain offerings to the temple, which was the storehouse 
The temple in the Old Testament was the storehouse. The church today is the storehouse. It is the place for the tithe. Not to a person, not to a ministry, to the church. And the prophet says there are two basic purposes for the tithe. He says here, first of all, that there might be food in my house. In other words, we we understand, do we not, that the ministry of the church is funded by the tithes of the people. As far as I know, we haven't, I can check with Steve Barton, but as far as I know, we haven't received any money from the government recently. As far as I know, we haven't received any from the United Way, from Kiwanis, from Rotary, from anybody else, as far as I know, that there might be food in my house. You see, it is through the tithes of the people of God that we send missionaries around the world. It is through the tithe of the people of God that we're able to have the ministries that these young people were up here singing a while ago. It is through the tithe that we are able to support the work that we do, the feeding of the hungry that you saw the video. It is through the tithe that there might be food in my house. That's what he says. Bring the tithe to the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Second reason that is interesting to me, the Bible says that tithing teaches us to fear or to reverence God. Do you know that? I, I don't know that I had ever, saw, had ever seen that before. That tithing teaches us to reverence or to fear God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, And you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where He chooses to establish His name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, in order that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. You see, the Bible says the purpose of tithing is to fund the ministry of God and to teach us to fear God. Now let me speak for a moment about the motivation because how you give is more important than how much you give. Folks, this message is not to put pressure on you to tithe, you know, I, I, does the church have needs? Absolutely, you know that. I mean, it takes money to, to turn on the lights, to keep it cool. Steve Phillips likes to keep it a lot cooler than most of us do, but it takes money to do that. The church has needs, but that is not the reason for you to tithe. The needs of the church is not the reason for you to tithe. Does the church have needs? Yes. But that is not the motivation for you to tithe. Guilt? I'm not trying to get you on a guilt trip. You might feel guilty, but that is not the reason to tithe. Retribution? I have had on many occasions people to say to me, well, if you don't give it, God's going to get it. Maybe so. But that is not the reason for you to tithe. The reason one tithes is because you believe God. It's obedience to God, and you believe God, and you believe His promises. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The reason to tithe is not because of needs. It is not because of guilt. It is not because of the fear of retribution. The reason to tithe is because you believe God, because you believe His Word. 
Now, here's the promise that goes with it when we are obedient. Verse number 10, and he says that the church is blessed. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Okay, so when we tithe then, the ministries of the church are funded. That, that's one of the things that, that we know that if all of our members tithe, goodness, what could we do if all of our members tithe? The church is blessed. He said the land is blessed. Look at verse number 11. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. He says, if you tithe, you bring the tithe. He said, just trust me in this. He said, bring the tithe, and I'm going to bless the land. This past week I've been thinking about, because I love America, and I love our country, and it saddens me greatly when I see the things that are happening in America. I wonder if some of the things we're suffering is not the result of God's people not being obedient with the tithe. I wonder if some of the things we are suffering in our country is the result of God's people not being obedient with the Sabbath. I'll leave that up to you, but that's been something that is on my mind. He says that if you do this, then I'm going to bless the storehouse, the church. He said, I will bless the land. And then he said, I will bless you. Look again at verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Maybe food in my house. Test me now. And this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open, look at this, for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. God says, whenever you do, the church is blessed, the land is blessed, and you are blessed. That's the promise of God. Now let me conclude in verse number 7. From the days of your fathers you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some of you who need to return to God. You've lost passion. You've lost the joy. You've lost that fellowship. And for some of you, that means that you return to the Lord with a tithe. You're trusting God to do what he says. You return by tithing and God will return to you. When Linda and I, and we're no different from you, when Linda and I came to the place to trust the Lord with our finances and started tithing, I wrote it in this Bible. In fact, I was reading through this Bible this last week, and there are a number of first things we did in here. But up at the top it says, First Tithe, August the 6th, 1967, $37. That has been there since 1967 as a reminder to me of our commitment and a reminder to me of God's faithfulness. Now then, in your bulletin, there is a little card. Do you have that little card? That little parchment card. It says, trusting the Lord with my finances, name, date I made the commitment, this is the 26th of October, and then the amount. If you are willing to trust the Lord with your finances, what I want you to do is to fill this out. And then put it in your Bible. Take it home and frame it. Put it somewhere. Don't turn it into the church. It's not for us. It's for you. Because I want this to be a reminder of today and of your commitment and through the years of God's faithfulness. So 
if you're willing to trust the Lord with your finances, we trust Him with our eternity. We ought to be able to trust Him with our finances. If you trust Him with your finances, then you fill that out and keep it. Don't turn it in. Now, what I want to do now is to take the offering. The reason for that is because I want you to seal your commitment. Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. And then you seal it by giving the offering. There are some of you who give online. If you want to do it online, you can go to firstbaptistcolumbia.com. At the bottom of the page it says online. You click there and you can do it online. You can do it with your phones. You can do it with your tablet. Whatever you want to do. But if you're willing to trust the Lord in this, I want you to seal it. Just like I did, just like Linda did back in 1967. We made that commitment and God has been faithful and he'll be faithful to you. Now I'm going to ask our ushers to take their places. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we'll receive the offering. Our gracious Father and God, thank you for the privilege of tithing. Lord, oftentimes we think this is a financial issue when we know it's a spiritual issue. Lord, I pray that you will help many of our people today who need to return to you by making a commitment to tithe, to trust you with their finances. Bless them. Give them great joy as they do so. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Obedience to the Lord is not just financial. It starts first with us. You see, I give myself to the Lord. Everything else seems to make sense for me when I'm committed to the Lord. And perhaps there are those of you present today who have never committed to Christ. 
I encourage you to do so. If you're looking for a church home, our door's open to you. We want to extend an invitation now for you to respond to the Lord as He leads you. You stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir's going to sing. As they sing, I trust that you will come making your commitment. The staff will be here to receive you.